Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to Agrac. I'm Jed Wolfaw, and we have a really exciting show today, a little unusual. We are going to talk about an innovative program in medical education. But before we do, remember, coming up, April 24th is the first ever live ACRAC podcast right here at Johns Hopkins. We will be recording live in front of a live audience starting at about 5.30 on April 24th. That's Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you are interested in coming, please let us know. Send an email to ACRAC at ACRAC.com. Let us know uh, that you're interested in coming so we have an idea for who will be there. Should be a blast, and we are really looking forward to it. All right. Now, on with the show. We have here at Johns Hopkins the one and only program in the country that is a combined training program in emergency medicine and anesthesia. Graduates will be board certified or eligible to be board certified in both specialties. And I have with me Dr. Linda Regan, who is the program director for the emergency medicine residency here and the program director for the combined program, and Dr. Laban Lester, who listeners will know from being on prior podcast, is one of our cardiac anesthesiologists and is an associate program director for the combined program. I also am an associate program director for the combined program, so there's my conflict of interest there. But really what we want to do is talk about uh, the program and how it developed. And I actually wasn't part of the initial development where Linda and Laban were, and so I'm really interested to hear from them how this came about. And we'd like listeners to get an idea because some of you may actually be interested, if you're medical students, in thinking about this as a future career. It's a really exciting option, and we do think, actually, that there's going to be more of these programs throughout the country in future years. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to hear from Linda and Laban about the origin of this program and about where we see it going in the future. So Linda and Laban, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. We're really excited to be here. Pleasure to be here. So let me start off by asking you uh, about the origins of this. Where did this idea come from? We're the only one in the country, so obviously this is new uh, in in kind of the shape of the idea. And tell me a little bit about where it came from, how the idea came about, and how the program got designed. Well, the idea for the program uh, had been bantered about before there was an opportunity to have the program. Uh, But in, I think it was 2016, both the American Boards of Emergency Medicine and of Anesthesiology put out uh, an approved program format that you could apply for a combined program. And we jumped at the idea. We were really excited about the opportunity to um, capitalize on the things that are similar in the programs in terms of focus on procedures and focus on critical care and resuscitation, but also on things that we could be innovative about, um, that we could create a graduate who might be unique and different than what we see currently that could maybe help us meet some of the needs that medicine is going to have in the future, Um, things such as moving care down to the emergency department where we have issues, things such as issues with 
pain management in the emergency department and across healthcare in general. Um, so we were just super excited. Uh, I don't think we had a clear idea of what the graduates would definitively want to do, but we had a number of ideas of what they might want to do. Uh, and so far, I think we've been pretty on the mark. Lots of people who've applied are interested in critical care. Lots are interested in ultrasound. Lots are interested in pain management. That's awesome. And Laban, I should say, you are double uh, boarded actually yourself in emergency medicine and anesthesia, though there was no combined program when you did it. So you did it the long way, um, doing both residencies separately. Um, maybe say a couple words about what your practice looks like since you, you practice in both settings and then um, anything you want to add about the origins of this program. Well, thank you. So um, I think that my experience really speaks to the fact that there's so much overlap in the uh, content, in procedures, in the, the way we take care of patients in the operating room, in the ICU, and in the emergency department, that there really is, I think, long been recognized a complementary um, connection between the different programs. And I think there are a lot of medical students who are really like, do I want to do anesthesiology? Do I want to do emergency medicine? And I think there are many that would like to do both, especially over the, over the last several years. Um, and I know I know people that went from emergency medicine or anesthesia to the other program and and, and focused on one. For me now, my pra practice is um, is that I'm in the operating room more, doing primarily cardiac anesthesia, but I'm in the um, emergency department three to four days a month um, in general. And for me, that's a really, really nice balance in a couple of ways. It's a really nice balance because I, I, I get to work on different things. And for me, that's really kind of exciting to, to um, work in the two different areas and take care of sort of different patients go, undergoing different um, uh, problems. It also is really nice for me in interacting with my residents in both the operating room and in the emergency department because I think I can offer some of the knowledge from the operating room and the cardiac uh, operating rooms and doing resuscitation to the, our emergency medicine residents and vice versa with our um, residents in anesthesiology. So for me, that's really been a real um, uh, really gratifying and something I've really enjoyed. Um, so that is, I think, a great component uh, part of this program, and it's been really kind of rewarding for me particularly. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it seems to me like you're uh, someone who could really be, and I'm sure is, a real kind of airway expert in terms of your teaching of airway for the emergency medicine residents. And then on the flip side, you may actually bring from your emergency medicine training additional, in fact, I know that you do, additional kind of tips, tricks, maybe a different perspective of looking at the airway, maybe, uh, you know, particular expertise in the kind of traumatic, you know, uh, acute airway. And so you kind of have this dual expertise in airway. And I know you've taken that role and really done some interesting workshops with our anesthesia residents. I, I don't know as much about what you do with the EM residents, but I'm sure you do that too. So do you feel like that dual training really has given you that educational expertise? Well, clearly airway is one of the areas in which the specialties really, really overlap. And and so I do think that is precisely one of the components that makes these com combined programs really special. I mean, for me, I'm now the director of the Johns Hopkins Airway Program, and I have a particular interest in airway as well. So it has lent itself to that. And we're, we're still working to sort of codify some of the education um, crossover and expanding some of our sort of techniques and stuff to the emergency department. We've done, and this was along with um, Adam Schiavi and Christina Miller, but we just did a, um, a scenario with 
our anesthesiology residents that we had set up for the emergency medicine residents first with a, a disaster scenario with a bus accident. And so that is the kind of thing I think that is it can really lend to teaching in both realms, and you can kind of utilize some of the similar techniques. And, and, and getting excited about teaching one group kind of informs you about teaching the other and keeps it interesting and exciting. And I think it was really positive for both residents in both categorical programs, as well as now our combined residents. Absolutely. So let me turn back and ask both of you, we've talked about, you know, the kind of um, teaching model, maybe we'll call it the airway teaching model of what Laban, what you do. So someone who might work some in the ED, some in the um, uh, operating room and doesn't have to be cardiac like you do, could be general operating room um, or any other uh, subspecialty of anesthesia, and then is able to really combine those skills in a way that makes them a really valuable teacher. And that's kind of one scenario. What are some other things? Linda, you touched before on pain management. Um, so maybe talk a little bit more about what that might look like. And then what are some other things you could imagine uh, a, a someone who's dual trained through a program like this being involved in? Sure. So happy to talk about that. Uh, I'll start with the, the specific item you mentioned, the pain management. So, um, you know, emergency medicine specifically has been really struggling with uh, the um, opioid epidemic, with how to manage patients' pain with non-opiate medications. Uh, and we were really excited about the possibility of this program building innovative leaders who could take a lot of what the anesthesiologists do upstairs in terms of pain management and chronic pain management techniques, regional nerve blocks, uh, to bring that down to the emergency department and help inform emergency medicine's practice about having a more um, holistic approach to treating pain downstairs that isn't just um, specific to drugs. So uh, that, that's one area that I think um, we're very much hoping that we're going to help build some leaders in that area. We have one resident in the program now who is extremely interested in this area. So we're excited to see what, what they're going to do. Um, and say that the, the other areas that uh, when we thought and conceptualized this program in emergency medicine, we have a lot of residents who are interested in global health and disaster management, a lot of residents who want to go back to where they're from in small, uh, austere locations and little hospitals where you know, they might be the only doctor in the entire hospital at night. Um, and so thinking about what type of benefit you can bring either to a region or to a disaster response or to a trip um, as someone who can afford both skills of resuscitation, stabilization, and being able to take your patient up through the operating room. So I think, you know, having a, a single person who has that wide spectrum of practice uh, might be another type of um, population we're going to be building and creating. Uh, definitely different than I think a lot of the academic work that often we see coming out of our graduates in the program, um, but a really exciting opportunity for us. Um, and then lastly, I'll say that, you know, the ultrasound critical care piece, many people are interested in critical care in emergency medicine. It's a, a very, very uh, hot uh, topic, um, lots of educational material around it, lots of people interested in fellowships. Um, and I think that the opportunity to really develop enhanced skills in, in echocardiography, in um, uh, point of care ultrasound, uh, in terms of any of the modalities that are available currently um, would really expand a, a graduate skill set regardless of whether or not they go on to uh, pursue a critical care fellowship or an ultrasound fellowship. Um, many smaller hospitals are in need of um, intensivists, are in need of people who want to build um, ICUs in the emergency department as small, short 24-hour stay units to try to offload uh, capacity from ICUs and from step-down units for conditions that we could turn around, such as DKA or asthma. 
that really spend 23, 30 hours upstairs. And I think that the opportunity to really have a group of people who can populate emergency departments with that skill set is really exciting for us as well. Absolutely. That sounds, you know, really exciting. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this develops. I also think, and and, um, feel free, either of you, to comment on this, that we see a uh, movement more and more towards looking at perioperative care for uh, in, in wanting perioperative care for anesthesiologists rather than just operating room care. And so you could imagine, and you touched on this, Linda, but someone who was capable of understanding, if not actually caring for someone from the pre-hospital to the emergency room, to the operating room, to the ICU. And then e- there's even development now of post-ICU clinics run by anesthesiologists. So you could imagine someone who takes care of someone from the moment they, they call an ambulance to the moment that they uh, till till well after they're out of the ICU, and really, uh, there's this would be someone just built for that kind of a, a leadership role moving forward. Very much so, and you know, I think it, it's one of those situations where you could imagine so many options for what they can do. And I think really, you know, the mission of the program when we built it was to really figure out how to find synergy between the strengths of the two specialties and to create graduates who are going to go out and do things we don't even think about right now. Um, And so, you know, it's always interesting to me when people ask, what do you think the graduates are going to do? And I populate my answer with things we talked about. And I have this constant thought that it's something I haven't even thought about that they're going to be doing that's going to make the most impact. So um, it's sometimes really thinking past what seems rational or, or sensical and, and really just being excited to embrace the new and innovative. Yeah. Laban? Well, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that there really is um, some uh, real value in the sort of increased breadth and depth of knowledge in this training program, but also this ability to sort of break down some of the silos that evolve between specialties, including anesthesiology and emergency medicine. But I think this kind of uh, multidisciplinary approach has the potential to have a bigger impact on other specialties as well. The other thing which really does take off on what Linda was talking about is I do think um, in the future we're going to move towards sort of more critical patients in the hospital. I think there's going to be fewer and fewer hospitals, or at least a lot of hospitals are going to they're going to have fewer and fewer just regular ward beds, and we're going to most of our hospitals are going to be essentially IMC and critical care. Uh, Patients and other people are going to be monitored from home. And so I think the ability for the hospitals to take care of this, a higher concentration of sicker, probably older patients, is going to be really important. I think the specialists in, coming through this kind of a program are going to be very well situated for dealing with that. And I, I think there is even a very good possibility that we're going to have essentially an evaluation treatment or an in-hospital inpatient emergency ward where you're going to have either adjacent to the emergency department or similar diagnostic equipment rapidly available because some of the things, the way the emergency department is set up is very, very um, important and helpful for patients with an undiagnosed illness. And some of our inpatients have undiagnosed illnesses and we need to rapidly evaluate and treat. Um, these patients and and really get the right diagnosis. So I think in the future we're going to have a different um, scenario, and I do think this program really strengthens our our residents to be in a really good position to help 
lead that. Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, I, I've heard some about the kind of EDICUs that are developing in some places. I think Michigan has one. They were maybe one of the first. Um, some are kind of, I think, more um, self-contained and others maybe uh, have different formats. But um, it certainly seems like as more of that happens, these graduates would just be ideal for helping to run those and be very involved in them if that's what they want to do. So you kind of have, I think, I mean, there's, a, as Linda, as you said, there's not only are there many models we've talked about, but many that we, I'm sure, haven't imagined. And one of the exciting things will be to see where our graduates go and what they do. And some of it will be things we can't imagine right now. Um, but the but you can obviously see that one category would be people who want to do what Laban does and actually work both in an operating room and an ED. And then another might be people who want to work in the ED, but in a role that is really quite expanded based on their prior training. Um, or in theory, you could have a, on the other end, someone who wants to just work in the operating room, but has this whole knowledge set that they use at the very least in terms of educating trainees and maybe in developing things that we, we can't think of at the moment. So it's really wide open. Let me turn to asking you guys about the structure of the program itself. So how long is it? Is it the same? Uh, would it be the same regardless? So we have a, uh, Linda, you run a four-year emergency medicine program. There are some programs that are three-year uh, and in emergency medicine, I think there are programs of each length. Does that matter in terms of if a program were to develop this? Um, so how long is it? And what do the years uh, look like as people go through it? Sure. So as you stated, in emergency medicine, uh, we're one of the specialties that has two training formats that uh, are approved. The majority of programs in the country, probably about 70% are three years, and we're in the minority being a four-year. So if you apply for uh, an emergency medicine combined program with anesthesiology and you're a three-year program, it's a five-year combined program. And if you're a four-year program, it's uh, automatically required to be a six-year program. So that sixth year then follows whatever the fourth year is of your emergency medicine program. And in emergency medicine, if you have a fourth year, it is required that you have a, a unique justification and educational rationale for that year. The specific structure of our program, which um, would be exactly the same for a, a five-year program, excluding our final year, for any other program. So the first year is based in the emergency department, uh, as I think all combined programs that are paired with anesthesiology are, right. uh, and the, the residents come in and do an internship just like all of our other categorical emergency medicine residents. Um, we do try to get them uh, you know, to meet everyone uh, in the leadership from the combined program, but their exposure in the anesthesiology world is really based in the intern rotations they do as part of the emergency medicine rotation block. Um, the second and third year and then the fourth and fifth year are grouped into a split between uh, the, the middle of both of our programs in emergency medicine and anesthesiology. So what that means is in my program as uh, the second year in emergency medicine would be spread across the second and third year of the combined program. The anesthesia you know, first year of your program is spread along those two years as well. And then the same would be for the PGY three year in my program and the categorical uh, second year in your program is spread right. over those two years. There is obviously opportunities for synergy as the emergency medicine residents rotate in the anesthesiology world um, and both of our residents work and rotate in the ICU world. And so where there then is opportunity to combine those experiences, we have more opportunity for elective time for the residents to select into um, more time doing echocardiography or more time in pain management. Uh, and so that's the first five years of the program. The final year of our program, which is the sixth year, the residents come back to the emergency medicine uh, residency and do what is the equivalent of our PGY-4 year, which is called our FAST program. That stands for the Focused Advanced Specialist. 
specialty track. And in our program, our fourth-year residents and the combined sixth-year residents get to choose between one of 12 embedded fellowships that we have. And they can run the gamut from very clinically-based experiences, such as critical care, ultrasound, or geriatrics, to much less clinical-based, such as administration or medical education um, or disaster relief. Um, And it allows them to really delve deeply into a niche and build skills both for uh, the administrative practice of a job, um, but also to enhance skills for the clinical practice of a job. And so we don't have residents yet in the combined program who've who've reached their sixth year yet, so I think it remains to be seen which of these experiences they may naturally gravitate to. I think Laban and I both have our guesses, um, but we're not sure yet. Um, And I suspect that, as has happened with residents in our categorical emergency medicine program, we've continued to build new um, niche-based experiences based on the opportunities that we have here at Hopkins, as well as the interests of the residents. Yeah, that's, so basically, uh, the first year is your intern year, which whether you're in a combined, uh, an, uh, I should say, whether you're in a categorical anesthesia program where your intern year is done at the same place as your residency, or whether you're like us in an advanced program where you do an intern year somewhere else, if you're in a combined program, your intern year will be in the emergency department. That's right. Um, doesn't matter what, what, whether your co-interns are doing it there or somewhere else. So you would do your entire intern year in the emergency department, and then your next, for us, five years for um, the uh, people who might have a program like this at a, a program where the emergency medicine residency itself is only three years, it would be the next four years would be in the combined program, though really for us that final year is not there's not much there's not any anesthesia unless they choose to do some electives in anesthesia that final year is really your fast year which is the same as the final year the final fourth year of the emergency training program and so um, that's kind of how it's laid out now we decided to uh, have after the first year they do the first six months of what we call the ca1 year so their first real anesthesia year with us and we decided that that was important for them to have that chunk of six months so they could really um, delve into anesthesia since they won't have had much yet. Now, they may do a little bit as an intern, but really have that concentrated anesthesia time. This is as opposed to our combined pediatrics program, and we as well as some other uh, programs in the country have a combined pediatrics anesthesia training program. And for that, they do all of their intern year in the pediatrics world, and then they do the entire CA one year with us in anesthesia. Now, we decided to do just six months because when they go back for that second six months to the world of emergency medicine, some of what they do, as you said, is anesthesia. It's just done through emergency medicine. I believe they do a pediatric anesthesia experience, for example. And so we didn't feel like they needed an entire year away. And then after that first year of the combined program, so after their CA1 slash PGY2 year, they then go three months, three months, three months, three months, alternating every three months. And that was really what we thought based on our pediatrics combined program experience was a good length of time to get to really kind of get back into the world of that specific specialty, but not be out for so long that they forgot it um, or lost skills. And so over time, they really build that up. Uh, Is that accurate? That's correct. All right. So that's the structure. Laban, anything to add about structural things or what we kind of thought about? No, I think that's the main, uh, I think that hits on the head. I think there's also in the, once they start going back and forth between, there's a lot of overlap as um, Dr. Regan said in the ICU and and some of the other rotations that they're doing. So I do think that there that there's uh, not only overlap in terms of doing sort of three months with each side, but even within the, that, there's overlap that that it really works with both programs. Great. So, or I should say, with both specialties. That's right. Um, so. 
the program, if there are you know folks who are program directors in anesthesia or in emergency medicine, uh, is available. You can apply for this. It's been approved by the boards, as you said, Linda, right up front. That had to happen before we or anybody could have a program. If you have a three-year uh, emergency medicine training program, this would be five years long. If you have a four-year emergency medicine training program, this would be six years long. Um, so you save a year either way. Obviously, to do here at Hopkins, to do both anesthesia and emergency medicine separately would be seven years. This way you do it in six. Um, and you are eligible for board certification in both specialties. Um, you then, one of the other kind of perks, if you're interested in, emer- uh, sorry, if you're interested in critical care, is that you can do a critical care fellowship through anesthesia in just one year. Whereas I believe if you do an emergency medicine residency and you want to do a critical care fellowship, it takes you two years. So actually, if you did this uh, here at Hopkins, if you did our six-year combined program and then a one-year critical care fellowship, in seven years you'd be triple boarded. Whereas if you did them um, separately, you would do, uh, or if you did, sorry, just emergency medicine, you'd do four years of emergency medicine and then two years of critical care. So essentially for one more year, you get two extra boards, um, if that's interesting to you. Is that right? Did I summarize that? One extra board. Yes. Uh, Well, I mean, if you had, yes, you're right, one extra board. So you get the the, um, anesthesia training and board for one extra year of training. That's right. Um, Okay. So I think this was a great summary of the program, kind of interesting thoughts on how it started, what it looks like, and where uh, we potentially see people headed, though anything could could happen. And over the years to come, we currently have PGY th- 1 and 2, and we're right, we're recruiting for the third class, or we'll, we'll soon in March find out who matches into our third class. And so um, we've got a few more years to go before we have graduates, but uh, they're having, I think, an incredible time, really... Um, doing an amazing job as trainees in both. Um, I will say from talking to folks in the combined PEDS program, um, and I think we'll find this too as people go through, that it's a a lot to learn. You're learning two whole board um, requirements. You have, you know, an ITE every year in emergency medicine, an ITE, that's in training exam in anesthesia. And that can be somewhat daunting, but I think what we tell the learners and and what they find over time is that it comes. You know, it's, you're not going to be one year in, uh, let's say three years in, you're not going to be the same place as a third year anesthesia resident because you haven't done three years of anesthesia yet. And so you have to give yourself permission in these combined programs to learn the individual specialties at a little bit slower pace because you're only getting half the time until eventually you get it all uh, by the end. Is that what you find too, Linda? Yes, very much so. There's, there's always a lot of anxiety amongst residents to progress at a quick pace. And I think We've had exactly those conversations with the residents that, you know, if you only spend 50% of the time uh, in emergency medicine and 50% of the time in anesthesia as a second-year resident, you can't expect to have the same level of performance as a second-year resident who has spent 100% of the time in either of those specialties. So uh, it's, it's, as you said, giving yourself permission to progress at the pace of the program. And I think as we have more residents in the program, it'll become more clear and more of a normalized experience for the other residents who see where their more senior colleagues are. Absolutely. And how do the folks, uh, when they're back in the emergency department, do you feel like they kind of fit back in, their colleagues, do their colleagues kind of look at them strangely, or are they, you know, uh, welcome just like any other resident? No, they, uh, they're they welcome uh, just like any other resident. Uh, they're, um, you know, I think that part, part of the way that this program has been structured to have a full year in one specialty and then six months in another 
really allows the residents to bond with the groups, to really feel like they're a part of that group. Um, when our uh, current uh, second-year residents came back just just this past month from their six-month time away. Uh, the residents were so excited to see them. They were so excited to see everyone. So it's really, really uh, nice to see the the ease with which they're able to navigate the, the transition back and forth. And I think that will even become easier as their time shortens to rotating between three months from department to department. Yeah, I think that's what we found with the combined pediatrics program. And I will say that in anesthesia, you could easily have a colleague in your class who is away in the pain clinic for a month and then on an away rotation for a month and then on a, you know, international rotation for a month and then they come back three months later. They're not in a combined program. You just didn't see them for three months. So there's actually no, I think, in a combined program when you're gone for three months or even six, you come back and, as you say, your colleagues are just happy to see you. They don't think it's strange that they haven't seen you in a while. Um, they, they, in fact, might have a, someone who's uh, in another, um, who's not in the combined program but in their class who they don't see for a similar amount of time. So I don't think that's an issue at all. I think people really find they have two Two homes, not lack of a home. I agree. All right. Uh, anything to add, Laban or Linda, uh, that we didn't touch on before we finish off? No, you're a fabulous host. We're super excited to have been invited to talk about the program. I think we're looking forward to having more applicants from uh, both specialties who are considering primarily both anesthesia and emergency medicine. Um, and uh, just maybe a quick um, plug for what applicants should have done in order to apply? Yes, please. What, what do people need to do to be, um, to be effective applicants? Sure. So um, we're really looking for applicants who are interested in uh, training in both specialties, who have had experience in both. So uh, we're looking for people who can have a letter of support from both emergency medicine and anesthesia slash critical care. Um, in emergency medicine, we use a standardized letter of evaluation. And so we're, we're typically looking for that type of evaluation letter. Um, and so at least two of the letters that get uploaded into ERAS, where you apply to us in ERAS just like you would any other program, we have a separate program code from both the categorical emergency medicine program as well as the categorical anesthesia program, um, that you'd, you'd need at least one letter in emergency medicine and one letter in um, anesthesia uh and your other letters can come from anyone else. Um, we're looking for people who have a reason to apply to the program. Um, and your reason doesn't have to be any of the reasons that we stated here. You could have a unique, exciting something that you want to tell us about. Um, and uh, we're looking for people who want to come and explore the opportunities that we have at the institution, um, who are really going to take advantage of the things that we have here, and who want to move the field of, of medicine, period, forward, not just emergency medicine or anesthesia. Yeah, that's great, Lady. I absolutely agree. And I just wanted to make a plug for um, medical students to make sure they experience the uh, the operating room and, and think about their anesthesiology rotation early because sometimes we often get people who are very excited about um, emergency, emergency medicine or another specialty and then get into anesthesiology and realize it's really exciting as well. And this happens the other direction too. But I do think medical schools, often anesthesiology isn't um, emphasized as early. And so I do think that's a common experience. So I do think if you're getting into that situation where you're having trouble deciding whether you should be applying in emergency medicine or anesthesiology, then you should really think about our program as well. And um, and uh, so... Yeah, no, I, I think that's key. And I would say, you know, if you're sitting out there and you're thinking, oh, you know, I've, I'm looking at my schedule for third and fourth year right now. 
I've got the emergency medicine scheduled, but I, I don't see where I can fit in anesthesia. You know, all is not lost. What I would suggest is if you have a week here, maybe a few days there, a couple weekends you're willing to spend, go to your anesthesia department, explain that, you know, you'd love to take an anesthesia elective, but you can't fit it in because your med school has a bunch of other required things, and ask them if you could spend that week that you have for research or those few weekends that you might have free, if you can spend a chunk of time. I mean, some medical students' rotation is only a, a week. So, you know, if you can spend the equivalent of a week in anesthesia, you can probably get a letter from someone if you work with an attending for a few different days. And if you sit down with them and explain, you know, what your interests are, and at least then, you know, you've experienced it, right? We struggle if you haven't done any anesthesia or on the flip side, if you haven't done any emergency medicine, you know, do you, how do we know you will really want, how do you know that you really want to do that specialty? But if you've done it, even if it's just a week, at least you, you understand what it is and can can try to, you know, make a case that you want to do both. Um, so I would say if you can do a full rotation, whatever that means at your medical school, that's the best in both things. If you can do emergency medicine, which is more often required than anesthesia, uh, so you probably are going to be able to do that, uh, but you can't fit in anesthesia. See if you can figure out a way. And most anesthesia departments, go to the, you know, clerkship director, go to the program director for the residency. They'll, they'll be pretty helpful, I think, if you approach them and just do it early. All right. Thank you both for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, before I let you guys go, we need to do random recommendations. So this is the part of the show where I ask guests to make a random recommendation, something you would recommend the audience check out. Linda, do you have something for them? Uh, sure. Um, I've become obsessed with the podcast, My Favorite Murder. Uh, I'll say in emergency medicine, we see a lot of very depressing, uh, dark stuff. Unfortunately, people visit us on their worst days. Um, and this is a podcast hosted by two hilarious women who talk through murders, which doesn't sound very funny, um, but they describe themselves as a comedy uh, murder podcast where they, they discuss terrible things that happen to people, but they cope th through this by humor. And for me personally, I, I have always for my entire life used humor to really try to diffuse the emotions that I think could be very overwhelming in medicine in general. And so what I've noticed is this is a very common coping mechanism for people in medicine. And I think that's sort of what drew me to this podcast. I listen to it uh, obsessively in the car. I laugh out loud. I think people are always staring at me, wondering what I'm doing at stoplights. Um, but it is extraordinarily enjoyable. Uh, and um, it's just really a nice stress relief. So My Favorite Murder, available where you download any of your podcasts. Awesome. I have heard a, a lot recently about that podcast. I haven't listened to it yet, but I think I definitely will check it out. Laban, how about you? Well, this might be slightly colored by, by the timing, but I recently saw Two Popes, and I would highly recommend it as a movie. It's, um, it's thoughtful. It's a little funny. It makes you tear up a little bit. I think it's just very interesting overall. The acting is superb, so I would recommend Two Popes. Nice. Yeah, that looks really um, interesting. Um, so I, uh, before I go, I'm going to say we actually have a, an audience recommendation. So uh, Ting Za, who's a CA2 at the Brigham in Boston, wrote in to, say, to recommend an app called Overdrive. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. I had not, but Ting rep recommended it. I downloaded it, and it's great. What it is is it's an app. You just free. It's called Overdrive. You can sign in with your library card. If you have a library card to any public library in the country, and then you can take out books directly into your Audible uh, or your Kindle app. So you can rent a book or not, I mean, um, whatever it means. What do you do at a library? You, uh, you take them out, right? Take it out. You take it out on loan. So you take out a book. Um, you can choose to have it for one, two, or three weeks. 
um, and then you ha- it disappears. It gets returned, but you can presumably I haven't gotten I haven't had it long enough to renew, but presumably you could renew if no one else has requested the book. Um, and so you can actually get access for free to the whole entire library's um, cadre of uh, Kindle books and uh, and Audible audiobooks. So. Um, seems like a really neat way. And then there's also a sister version called Libby, which uh, I haven't checked out yet, but is, I think, just a different interface. So you can check out both um, the uh, OverDrive and the Libby app and get access uh, for to free to a bunch of uh, library books. Pretty cool stuff. All right. Thank you for the recommendations. Thanks for coming on the show. And um, we will put a link to – we have a website section uh, that covers the combined program. It's got more information um, as well as email addresses if you have contact uh, – informa- you have questions that you want to contact us about. And so we'll put a link to that website uh, on the show notes. Uh, again, thanks to both of you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll tell you, I'm really excited about this combined program. I hope it was interesting for folks out there. Um, as I said, check out uh, the website of the combined program for more information and go to the ACRAC website, ACRAC.com. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Are you uh, thinking about doing something similar at your place? Are you dual trained and have thoughts you want to share? We can all learn from what you have to say. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. I'm at Jay Walpaw, and we're at ACRAC Podcast. And, of course, we have a Facebook group as well. If you're a fan of the show, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a comment and a rating. It really helps others find the show. If you'd like to support the making of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash ACRAC. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A-C-C-R-A-C, where you can become a patron of the show. Even if it's just a dollar or two that you pledge, it makes a big difference, and we really appreciate it. You can also make a donation anytime by going to paypal.me slash ACRAC. Thank you so much to those who are already patrons and have already made donations. We really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, to Kimia Cash-Cooley, our fantastic ACRAC intern, to Dr. Brian Park and April Liu for making the outline for some of the episodes, which are super helpful. And, of course, our original ACRAC music is by Dr. Dennis Kuo. His music is also available on his website, studymusicproject.com. All right, that is it for today. For the ACRAC Podcast and Drs. Regan and Lester, I'm Jed Wolfaw. Thanks for listening. Remember, what you're doing out there every day is really important and valued. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.